We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me very quickly to the book of 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, just uh, one scripture here, and I'm going to have you be seated. I know you've been standing for a while. The Bible says this in 2 Kings chapter 2, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to bless the word tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask you tonight to speak to us through your word. Encourage us, grow us, mature us, edify us tonight. And Lord, we'll be careful to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. And the church said in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in his presence. Thank you for standing with us for so long. Amen. Tonight I will continue and try to finish up my uh, series uh, for the last several Wednesday nights. I've been teaching on heroes of the faith. And I started with Gideon and then I moved to Elisha. And I will finish Elisha tonight. I would like to uh, really quick just uh, summarize a little bit um, about the story of Elisha. We hear a lot about Elijah, uh, but we do not hear a lot about Elisha. And so I, I wanted to point out some things about the life of Elisha. When Elijah comes off the mountain and God is speaking to him, he gives him a set of people to anoint. These people will fulfill a call that God has put on them. Uh, one will be king over Syria, one will be king over Israel, and one, Elisha, will be the prophet of God for the nation of Israel. And this is the call that God has put on Elisha. Elisha doesn't know this. Elijah finds him in the field, uh, just plowing the field, and when he sees him, he lays his mantle on him and then walks away. And Elisha does not know exactly what God has called for him to do. He does not know exactly what his calling will be. All he knows is, I've been called out from among them to do something for the Lord. And so he follows Elisha. And the Bible says from that day on, he would follow and he would minister to Elisha. I spoke on several things last week, ending on Whatever ministry God has called you to, there is a season of serving that ministry that God will ask you to do, and uh, there will be a continuation of serving that ministry as well. I don't believe that God has ever called us to a place where we are not to be servants, amen? That we are always, no matter how far we get, no matter what kind of role that we play, and no matter what kind of position that we may have, whether it be great or whether it be small, one thing that God has always required of us is to be servants. The Bible would call this ministry. But the, we know the word ministry literally means to serve. And so Elisha will serve this ministry. Now, if you follow the story, it seems like this all happens relatively fast. But this is years in the making. 
when, when we get to 2 Kings chapter 2, you have to know that Elisha has followed Elijah now for years. It's not been a few months. It's not been a year. It's not been a couple years. This is several years now that Elisha has followed Elijah. And when we read about the anointing of Elijah, we really don't see Elijah, Elisha again until 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, he would play a background role. He, 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 would, he, he would not be in the limelight. He would, he would just be a servant and a minister unto Elijah, but the Bible would give him no reference points, particularly around Elijah's ministry. But we know that from the time that Elijah anointed Elisha, that Elisha was there. He never left Elijah's side. So many things happened in the life of Elijah that Elisha was privy to. This had this was not just a like I said, it's a couple years in the making. This was many years in the making that Elisha was following Elijah and ministering to Elijah. But God knew that Elijah's time was coming to an end, and he needed someone to fill the role of Elijah. It, not just Elijah, but to fill the role of the prophet of God over the people. We know that God's plan had always been that God's people would always have a prophet, that God's people would always have a man of God. This is how God set it up. This is Old Testament, this is Old Testament revelation that God would always have someone to be prophet over the people. All the way back to the book of Judges into uh, the life of Samuel. And when the people would look at Samuel and say, Samuel, we know that you are our man of God, but we desire to have a king like other people. We want to be like other nations. We want to, you know, we, 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 we see what they have and we like what they have and we want to have a king like they have a king. So Samuel goes to God with tears in his eyes and says, God, they, they don't want me anymore. They want a king now. And, and God would look at Samuel and he would say, Samuel, don't cry for yourself because they haven't rejected you. They rejected me because this is my, this is the way I have this set up. Amen. And, and, and this was the way that God's government was set up is that there would be a, a, a man of God over the people. And this is how the people of Israel would function from this season all the way to the New Testament. And even in the New Testament, we would see that Israel still had a high priest. And we don't hear a lot about the prophets in the New Testament. We hear a lot about the apostles in the New Testament. There are very few prophets in the New Testament but there are apostles in the New Testament. And we know because we have their books now that we read that these men were prophetic. We, and and we, knew that, we know that God prophesied through them. When we, when we read the book of Revelation, we know John the Revelator was really John the prophet. We call him the Revelator, but he was really just John the prophet because he was prophesying as what would come. And God always had this setting. And so... God doesn't let people choose the next person. People get to choose the next king. People get to choose the next president. People get to do that. But when, God, when it comes to God's man, 
God lets no one choose who the next man is. And God chose Elisha while he was just in the field working for his father. We have no idea the credentials that Elisha had. We have no clue the credentials that Elisha had. All we know is that Elisha must have had some kind of relationship with God. And God pulled him from his family, made him follow Elijah for several years. Now, what happened in these years, what you have to understand is, at this time, prophets were in hiding. Prophets were in hiding. Ahab and Jezebel had been killing prophets left and right. And the Lord had told Elijah, listen, I, I have 7,000 prophets that haven't bowed their knee to Baal or, or Jezebel. And, and I have them in hiding. I have them in preservation. They're waiting. And we would see from the time of Elisha being uh, anointed to be the next pr prophet for Israel and the time that we get to 2 Kings chapter 2, there is a system now in place for the development of prophets. We call it the school of prophets. There would be a school of prophets, and we'll read about this in, 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 in the end of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings, this school of prophets that, for all intents and purposes, we believe that Elijah put in place. And, and, and we'll see that there, now there is uh, a place where you can go and you can learn how to be a prophet. You can walk in the shoes of, an, a, prophet, uh, of a prophet. And you can be taught by a prophet to be a prophet. But 2 Kings chapter 2, we, we get to see the transition. And, and here's how 2 Kings chapter 2 will start. It'll start that it says it came to pass that when the Lord would take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. This is how chapter 2 starts of 2 Kings because the author of 2 Kings is writing this and he's letting us know this is the story of the transition. This is the story of this moment. And so Elijah would say unto Elisha, tarry here, here in Gilgal, tarry here for the Lord have sent me to Bethel. God's asked me to go to Bethel, and I want you to stay here. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, yea, I know it. Hold your peace. He said, he, basically he said, yes, I know, but let's not talk about it. Hold your peace. Be quiet for right now. And then Elisha would say unto Elisha again in verse 4, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. He was in Gilgal. The Lord called him to Bethel. He was in Bethel. Now the Lord's calling him to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on.
And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood, and, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elisha took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry land. I'm a, now, I'm going to stop right here because I want to try to dissect a little bit this moment. Elisha, Elijah, and the prophets, they all know that Elijah is about to be taken away. Here's what I want to make very clear to you. It is no secret what's about to happen. Everybody knows what's about to happen. The prophets know what's about to happen because they're prophets. They know. They know that today's the day that Elijah is going to be taken from this earth. Elisha knows. He says, yes, I know. Hold your peace. And obviously, Elijah knows. Now, if Elijah knows that today's the day, why three times does Elijah ask Elisha to stay? He is in Gilgal, and he says to uh, Elisha, Elisha, I got to go to Bethel. The Lord wants me to go to Bethel, so I want you to stay here. He says, no, as long as God is alive and as long as you are alive, I'm not leaving your side. He gets to Bethel. He says, hey, I need to go to Jericho, so stay here in Bethel. He says, no, as long as God is alive and as long as you are alive, I'm not leaving you. And he says, listen, we're here in Bethel, but I got to go to Jericho. Stay here in Bethel. He says, no, as long as God is alive, as long as you are alive, I got to go with you. He says, okay, I got to go to Jordan. Stay here in Jericho as long as God is alive and as long as you are alive, I'm not leaving your side. And the whole time, there's a school of prophets, the sons of the prophets are telling Elisha over and over again, hey, you, you know today's the day. And he says, I know it, but let's don't talk about it. I'm not leaving his side. Now, over the last few days, I have been wondering what is the significance of these three places? Um, if somebody's back on the computer for me, will you click on that, that map I have? Uh, and it's very difficult to see. But if you can see, I have some very small red letters, uh, red uh, indicators here. So you see where Gilgal is. You go way over to Bethel. Then you come back to Jericho. And then where the red block is, that's about where they were when they crossed over the Jordan River. There's really no, no rhyme or reason to this. I, I, I was trying to find some significance here. Let me, let me explain what each place represents. Gilgal is the place where the Lord rolled away the reproach of Egypt. Gilgal was the place where when they crossed over Jordan, they spent the first night in Gilgal. The very first night they spent in the promised land was in Gilgal. And, and here's what the Lord said. The Lord said, today, today, I will wipe away the reproach of Egypt off of you. And the Bible says that that, that that day, the manna ceased. And it said that place is called Gilgal even until now. That's in the book of Joshua chapter 5. God said, this is it. This is the place. So Gilgal is 
means a wheel, like a rolling wheel, that God rolled away the reproach of, 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 of Egypt from off of the children of Israel. Bethel is way older than Gilgal in our, in our understanding because Bethel is the place where when God made a covenant with Abraham, soon as that covenant was done being made, Abraham would build an altar and he would call that place Bethel. That would be the house of God or the house of bread. And so Bethel is also the place where Jacob would come and he would grab the stones of that place. Now, many people believe that the stones of that place were the actual stones that Abraham used to create that altar. But Jacob, the Bible says he, he took the stones of that place and he laid his head on them. And that is where we get the story of Jacob's ladder, that when he slept, he saw a vision of angels ascending and descending. That is Bethel. And then, of course, Jericho is very, very similar. And, and, and very, very familiar, I mean. And Jericho is the first victory. They spent the first night in Gilgal, and the first city they came to is Jericho. You'll see how close those places are. And for 40 years, the children of Israel literally spent right where that little red box is. That's about the location where the children of Israel spent 40 years walking in a big circle just on the other side of Gilgal and Jericho. This is where Moses told them to send spies in to, to check out Jericho. So you see these three locations, and these three locations all have great significance in the word of God. And this is where Elijah is telling Elisha, just stay here, stay here. Now, here is where, where I would like to draw just, just a little type and shadow and I have read Barnes notes. I have read Matthew Henry notes. I have read many uh, commentaries on this. Um, and really, no one has an explanation of this. The greatest explanation I heard is that maybe Elijah thought that I will be taken from this earth today. And I don't know how crazy that's going to be. And I just don't want Elisha to be caught up in this. Uh, you know, like God's coming to get me. I'm about to be taken away in a whirlwind or I'm going to be taken from this earth. I don't think Elijah knew that it was going to be a whirlwind. I just think that Elijah knew that today's the day that the Lord would take, take me away. And I, and I just don't know if I want Elisha to be around to maybe be privy to this. And so he's asking him to stay at these locations. And what I would like to make a point of, of are every one of these places, Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho, are all great places of great significance. Great things happened here. God takes away the reproach and the manna ceases. This is the house of God where God will make covenant and God will speak and God will give revelation. This is Jericho, one of the greatest battles that we know of where God did an amazing work and gave overwhelming and unbelievable victory. And Elijah is asking Elisha, just stay here. And the point I want to make is, is that when God is calling us into something, it is very easy for us to get comfortable in significant moments and not move forward with what God is asking us to do. 
One of the most paralyzing things that I have found, even in my own ministry, is to get stuck in victories. One of, one of the things I found most difficult is to celebrate something significant and then understand I can't stay here because there's something else that God wants me to do. One of the toughest things I have found as a minister is to have God do some great work, some great miracle, some significant thing, and then to realize I can't rest here. I know that our culture says, hey, let's celebrate, let's take time, let's build a monument. And, and you know what? Building monuments uh, is definitely a scriptural reference. We, we see all throughout the Old Testament that, that these great men of God would build these monuments. But building a monument is different than building a city, a place of rest, a place of staying. I, I understand building monuments, but I understand moving forward as well. And what I believe is significant about this moment is that these are now established places that Elisha could have stayed and been okay. Elisha could have stayed in these places. They're, they're, they're comfortable. They're, they're easy to get along. The sons of the prophets are in each of these locations. This is a place where he can stay. He has friends. He has family. He can get along here. Let Elijah go, and I know that God's going to take care of him, and I'll just stay here where everything is comfortable instead of moving into the unknown. But I believe that every moment that Elijah is taking, because Elijah is going where the Lord is calling him. Hey, I'm in Gilgal, but I have to go to Bethel because God's called me to Bethel. I have to go to Jericho because God's called me to Jericho. I have to go to Jordan because God's called me to Jordan and it may seem like man can't we just rest at one place can't we just you know whatever God's gonna do can't we just let it let God do it here can't can it just be this can it just be easy can it just be comfortable no God's calling me forward and if you see this they went in a big circle they go from Gilgal to Bethel back to Jericho why don't we just stay here because Gilgal is actually closer to Jordan than Jericho is. If we were going to Jordan, why didn't we just cross over Jordan while we were in Gilgal? But the Lord has a plan, and it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. And if you want to stay put, if you don't want to make the journey, just, just stay here. But Elisha says, as long as God is alive, and as long as you are alive, I'm going with you. Hey, look, I got I to gotta go to, listen, I know it's comfortable here. The sons of the prophets are here. You got friends here. You know, you got a good place to stay here. This seems easy, but I got to go to Bethel. Well, as long as God is alive and as long as you are alive, I'm going with you. I'm going with you to the next place and the next place and the next place. And I don't care who's there to tell me, hey, you know, today's the day. That's good, but hold your peace. Listen, I don't, I don't need a word everywhere I go. Obviously, Elisha knew what God was about to do because he said, yes, I know. Hold your peace. Now, I don't know why 
God put Elisha through these things. Or maybe even Elijah knew. And Elijah was putting him through this, these things. And, and, and Elisha realizes, man, we're just going in, in a big circle here. And I don't understand what God is doing. I don't understand why, why we're doing this. All I know is that I'm following after the mantle. I'm following after the anointing. I'm following after the person. I have decided to follow after the power of God. And I'm not staying where it's comfortable. Listen, if you make up in your mind today, tonight, this week, whenever it is, that I've made up in my mind that I'm following after what I feel God has for me, then what you have to know is that you may not stay in one location very long. And when you get to a place that may feel right, and you get to a place that may feel comfortable, and you get to a place of significance, or you get to a place of great victory, if you get to a place of overwhelming power of God, but God still says move, then you better be ready to move. Because I'm not going after an established place. I'm going after the mantle. I'm going after the anointing. Elisha could have very easily stayed in any three of these places because they were established. God had done great works at all three of these places. But Elisha wasn't after a place and Elisha wasn't after a position, but Elisha was after an anointing. Elisha was after a calling. Elisha was after a mantle. Elisha knew what he wanted. Now watch, I know that we, we teach and preach this and we feel like the, the reason that Elisha followed him around, the, the reason that, that Elisha was following him, because Elisha knew if I see him go, I'll get what I want. But that's not true. That's not true. Watch what happens. He took the mantle, he smote the water, it divided, they walked across on dry land, and it came to pass that when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked me a hard thing. Nevertheless, watch, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. If he would have stayed in Gilgal, he would never have seen it. If he would have stayed in Bethel, he would have never have seen it. Now, me and you think the reason he went to Bethel and the reason he went to Jericho and the reason he went to Jordan is because he knew that if I see him, I'll get it. But he didn't know until they crossed over Jordan. This is good word. Because if we know, oh, if you stick it out, you're going to find it. If you stay in, you're going to find it. If you keep moving, you're going to find it. But we don't know that until the time comes. That's why we should never get comfortable where we are in God. We should never get comfortable in a position. We should never get comfortable in a place because I'm not seeking after a settled, established, significant place. I'm after the mantle. I want what God has called me for. You see, Elisha had already tasted the mantle years before. Years before. Ye look at your neighbor and say, years. years. 
years before the, the mantle had just brushed him. The mantle had just touched him. The mantle had just, 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 just barely been on him for just a second. But years, this is all coming together for you now. Years ago, years ago, this is not just a couple months, not a couple years. Years before, there was a brush with the mantle. And Elisha left everything for just that brush with the mantle. And he didn't care how nice Gilgal was or how nice Bethel was or how cool the school was or what was going on in Jericho. He knew that years before, that mantle had touched him. And he was not going to let that mantle out of his sight. And, and we know this because when he said, what do you want? Why are you still following me? Why are you still here? What do you want? He said, I want double of what you got. I want what you got and another of what you got. And he said, you asked me a hard thing. And the only way you're going to get it is if you see me when I go. But if you don't see me, you're not going to get it. He did not know that when he followed him to Bethel. He did not know that when he followed him to Jericho. He did not know that when he followed him to Jordan. He did not know that the key to getting what God had for him was seeing it happen. And there are so many ministries still sitting in the couch of comfortability, still talking about the victories of Gilgal, still rejoicing over the stones of Bethel, still shouting about the walls of Jericho, but you're not following the mantle. We've built monoliths to the, these great things that have happened in our life. Here, here's what it sounds like to me sometimes as a pastor. Oh, Brother, brother Chavis, you don't know me. I used to teach Bible studies. Mm, you don't even know about it. I used to teach, I used to, I used to go out there, I used to witness. I man, I tell you what, I can't even tell you how many people that I've won to the Lord. Well, stop preaching about what you won and talk about what you're winning. We keep talking about what we taught, but we ain't talking about what we're teaching. We keep talking about what we did, but we don't talk about what we're doing. Because me and you, we live in an America that teaches us that we can retire somehow, some way. And, 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 and if we did something good and something great, we can keep rejoicing in that something good and something great. And we can stay in Gilgal for as long as we want to, and we can keep preaching about how Gilgal, this is where the Lord rolled away the reproach of Egypt off of me, and we'll keep testifying. And listen, I know that we're overcomers by the power of our testimony, but that's at the end of time. That's in Revelation. What about right now? Who are you telling your testimony to? Or are you saving it for the great getting up morning? Who are you telling your testimony to today? Or are you just waiting for the time that you got a microphone and you can tell everybody? Still sitting in Gilgal rejoicing over what happened. Still sitting in Bethel talking about them stones. Still walking around Jericho talking about, man, I remember when them walls fell. But there is a mantle on the other side of Jordan. On the other side of Jordan, there's a mantle that may be falling and you don't know it fell. Because we're still comfortable with what happened yesterday. But there's got to be something in us that, that remembers when my hands were on the plow and the mantle touched me. Whew. Yeah. 
years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago at an altar at a, as a small boy. I remember when the anointing touched me for the first time, and I've been looking for it ever since. Where, where, where is it at? I want to go. I, I, I'm not comfortable at Gilgal. I'm not comfortable at Bethel. I'm not comfortable at Jericho. I'm not comfortable singing the songs of Zion and hanging up my harp and talking about how good it used to be in the good old days. Oh, God help us. We, we, we are trapped in the good old days syndrome. I remember how it used to be. I, we used to have all night revival. I remember we used to have seven days a week revival and we rejoice in the Gilgals and the Bethels and the Jerichos. But across Jordan, across Jordan there's a mantle falling and nobody's there to catch it. Because we were looking for the place and not the mantle. It came to pass that when they had gone over that Elijah said, what shall I do for you? What, what do you want? He said, I, I want a double portion. You know what it takes to get a double portion? You have to be there. I'm, 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 I got a few more minutes. You know what it takes to get a double portion? Here's the criteria. You got to be there. You got to be in attendance. Nothing fancy. You got to be there. Do you know what it takes to get the anointing? You got to be there. I know it's cliche. We say it all the time. Man, you just had to have been there. But that's Bible. I'll, I'll show it to you. We want to preach about Acts chapter 2, everybody speaking in tongues and the Holy Ghost falling, but we don't want to preach Acts chapter 1. When Peter said, listen, um, we can't move on until we feel the role of Judas. Got to have 12. Got to be 12 foundations, 12 gates, each gate being a singular pearl. So how do we feel the role of Judas? I tell you what we do. We need to choose a man to fulfill the role of Judas. And there were several disciples there that me and you ain't never heard of. He said, I'll tell you what, we need to choose a man who can fulfill the role. What is the criteria for the man to fulfill the role of Judas? He said, <clears throat> here we go. He has to have the nicest suits of all the preachers at the conference. I'll tell you what we need. We need the guy who can really hoop. You know, hoop. Now, I know some of y'all think about basketball. But I'm talking about a preacher who can hoop, you know. Ah, God is an old time garbage. I need ain't said nothing, been preaching 30 minutes, ain't said one thing that can get you in or out the gate. Ain't said nothing. Just been rhyming. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Ain't said nothing. That's who we need. We need that guy. We need that guy. Mm -mm. I'll tell you what, we need the guy that has all the degrees, all the, all the thermometers, all degrees. Celsius and Fahrenheit. We need a guy with all the degrees. That's who we need. No. Peter said, let me tell you who we need. We need 
Who has been here since the beginning? You know how you get the mantle? Elisha, when I go, just be here. Just be there. You know how you get it? You just show up. You ain't got to be fancy. You ain't got to jump through a bunch of hoops. You ain't got to do all that. What, what you got to do is you got to actually be there when it happens. And if you are there when it happens, you'll get it. Oh, hallelujah. You see, that's why the enemy fights us so much on just being there. He tells us all kind of lies about being there. He tells us it won't matter if we don't make it. He tells us it doesn't matter if we're not there. He tells us it'll be okay if we're not there. But being there was the key. And you know how many people qualified to be there? Only two. Matthias and Justice. That's it. They said, okay, we got two of you. Let's put your names in the hat. Shake it up real good. Lord, do your will. Rolled it on the floor. The lot fell on Matthias. Matthias, you the man. Guess, guess how you got to be the one who now has his name written on the foundation of the new Jerusalem. You was just here. Only two, two, two. Can you imagine that? Only two? You know why there was only two? Because there was a time when Jesus said, you know what? This is my blood. And if you don't drink my blood, you can't be of me. And this is my flesh. And if you don't eat my flesh, and the Bible says that day, many disciples left Jesus because this was a hard saying. They left because they couldn't handle it. They left because what God said was too much. Oh, hallelujah. And two guys said, you know what, that's all right. I'll, 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 listen, I know it's hard, but you know what I need to stay in the church? I need some hard words every once in a while, some truth. Some stuff that don't fit right with me. Some stuff that don't sit right in my spirit. I don't like that. But okay, Lord, I'm here. I, I would love to stay in Gilgal. I would love to stay in Bethel. I'd love to stay in Jericho. But you know what I'll do? I'll go with you back over Jordan, out of the promised land. Do you realize that Elisha got the mantle outside the promised land? Yeah. You know where he got the mantle? He got the mantle in the wilderness. The same place, the same place that Moses stood on the mountain and got to see it from afar because God said, you'll never walk in it, Moses. That's where he got, he got the mantle in a, the wilderness. Nothing significant about it. You will get what God has for you in the most insignificant places. But we don't want to go. We don't want to go to the insignificant places because we want our name in lights. We want to get our. We want to get ours at Gilgal, like they got their reproach rolled away at Gilgal. We want to get it at Jericho where the walls fell with just a shout. We want to get it in Bethel where God opened up the heavens and God made covenant and God made. That's where we want it. We want it where everybody can shine. But God said, No, you got to go into the wilderness where can't nobody see you. came to pass as they still went on, verse 11, I'm almost finished, and taught that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. Look, 
the only thing that could separate Elisha and Elijah was God himself. You see it? And as they went on and they talked, just talking, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. God had to get in between. And when it parted them, Elijah went up and Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold, watch this, he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. He said, I, I take my own identity and I tear it off because there's a mantle coming. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. Watch this, verse 13. I, 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 I love this. I love this part. The Bible says he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. I mean, he did not let any moss grow on that rock. He didn't let no time pass. He didn't have to go to prayer about it. He didn't have to go seek God about it. He, he wanted to check to make sure it worked. How many things have you prayed for and you haven't even checked to see if it worked yet? He took it. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. <laughs> he tested it in the first few seconds that he got it. Where is the God of Elisha? He didn't take it, take it home, put it in the box, put it in the glass case. Oh, Elijah, if I could only be like you. No, as soon as it fell, he picked it up and he put it to use. He tried it out. He tested it. And because he tested it, he knew that the God of Elijah was with him like he was with Elijah. Many of us have gifts, callings, abilities, anointings, and mantles that we have never put to use. Because we put them in a box and we like to tell people about them when they come over for dinner. Man, that's, that's Elijah. Let me tell you right now, man. He did all this. Now, I ain't done nothing, but he, she was a great man. That'd be like me not doing anything for the Lord and then keep telling people about my grandpa. Oh, yeah, my grandpa. He's my grandpa now. He, he taught me. He, 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 he was an amazing man of God. And, you know, he started churches, and he did great things for God, traveled all over and preached. Now, me, I, I ain't done nothing. I've just been sitting here chilling, <clears throat> working at Shoney's. Uh, just, I haven't done anything for God, but my grandfather, man, he's done all kinds of things for God. I didn't sacrifice anything. I didn't leave family, hearth and home, and everything that was comfortable to me. I didn't leave Gilgal and Jericho, the places that, that I had testimonies at, and walk out into the wilderness and just try to start. No, I didn't do that, but he did. Man, woo, great guy, great guy, and I got his mantle. 
Look at it. It's so beautiful. Oh, I haven't used it. No, no, no. Not me. That's all him. You know, God called him, didn't call me. What are you saying? I'm saying I think there's people in this room that have mantles that you haven't used yet. You see, I knew that the mantle of my grandfather fell on me. And when my father looked me in the face and said, Court, you're going to go and you're going to start a great church. And God has called you and Amanda to do this. And I believe God is going to go with you. When I left that meeting, there wasn't a devil in hell that was going to stop me from starting a church. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You know why? Because I was walking under the anointing of the God of Jeff Chavis and Stanley Will. And I tested it. I smote the water and see what he was going to do. Where you at, Lord? You said go and you'll make a way. And I'm walking across on dry land right now because I tried it. What are you, I, I'm telling somebody in this room right now, God has put a calling on you. He's put an anointing on you and you've been here. You've made the trek. You've left Gilgal. You've left Bethel. You left Jericho and you're standing in the wilderness with a mantle falling on you and I'm saying use it. Use it. Pray for somebody who you don't think God can heal. Call somebody who needs a, a, an encouraging word. Pray a prayer that only, only somebody that you know about yeah, it happened for them, but it can happen for you right now. The Bible told, this is what the Bible told me. I wish I could preach. I'm going to fold up my iPad so I'll stop because if I don't, I'll be in trouble. But I know my grandfather prayed and people were healed. I know my father prayed and, and, a, and a woman was raised from the dead. I watched my father pray for a lady one day in church. And her arms was, was twisted up with, 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 with a stroke. And I watched her arms come out like this. Now, I watched it with my own eye. I didn't hear about it. I didn't read it in no book. I saw it. And when we got her in the water and finally got her baptized, I watched both her legs that were turned inside. I watched both her legs pop out straight. And she came out of that water speaking in tongues. And I've heard my grandmother tell me, Court, we didn't have no food in the house. And, and, and we, set, we set the dinner table and we prayed a prayer and the doorbell rang. And we went and there was nobody there, but there was the whole front porch was covered in groceries. And you know what my God, you know what my Bible tells me? My Bible told me that what he does in the latter will be greater than the former. God doesn't need more power. What he needs is more people that'll get a mantle and say, where is the God of Elijah? What he needs is more people that'll try it out, that'll pray a prayer, that'll have faith, that'll reach out, that'll do the work, that'll say, God, you did it for them, but I believe you can do it for me. If we think our greatest days are behind us, let's all quit now. Let's just go do something else. But if we believe that God ain't even started yet, if we believe that God doesn't call in the lamest team to finish out the game, but he calls in the best of the best at the end to finish out the game, if we believe that, then let's try it. Let's try it. 
Let's pray over this city and see what God will do. Let's build a church and see what God will do. Let's give and see what God will do. Let's preach and let's see what he'll do. Let's pray and let's see what he'll do. Let's teach and let's see what he'll do. Let's reach and let's see what he'll do. Let's see what God will do. Let's keep slapping the river and saying, where is the God of Elijah? Let's try it. I am not comfortable sitting around Jericho, around the fire, singing kumbaya, talking about what God did. What I want is a double portion. God, let me do what they did and let me do just as much more than what they did. Let me see it. Let, me, let it come to fruition. God, let it happen in my time. Let it happen in my season. I want to see it. Who's with me? Who's with me? who will say, Lord, let it happen. Let it happen. Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. If you did it back then, you can do it right now. Would you put your hands together, lift up your voice, stand with me, ask the Lord God, touch us tonight. Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of of Elijah. Where is the God of Elijah? Huh. Where is the God of Elijah? If he's going to do it, it might as well be us. If there's going to be an end time revival, might as well start right here. Why? Why not? Why? I, don't, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. There has, to be, there has to be people who will say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not staying in Gilgal. I'm not staying in Bethel. I'm not staying because I'm not following a story. I want the mantle. I want to see it. I want to see it. Because if you ever see it, you'll always believe it. I believe what I believe because I've seen what I've seen. You, you, you can't, listen, the old song used to say, I know too much about it for you to make me doubt it. Oh, I've been there, I've seen it. Brother Shorter, I know you've seen it. Sister Shorter, I know you've seen it. Brother Sister Downs, I know you've seen God work. I know you've seen it. Brother Willie, I know you've seen it. Work miracles. I know you've seen it. But there are kids in this church that have never seen it. They've never seen it. They just heard it talked about. Because we keep talking about what he did. I want to talk about what he's about to do. What he's about, what he's about to do. This coming weekend, what is he about to do in our midst? Tomorrow, what is he about to do in your life? What is he about to do? What God, we walk through this life with no anticipation. That's why I always send the text out, come with great expectation because you're never going to get what you're not expecting to get. The Bible says he asks alms of them expecting to receive something of them. Lord, I expect to receive something. I didn't come here for nothing. I expect that God is about to work a miracle. Amen. If you believe it, shout yes. Amen. Put your hands together one more time and love the Lord.
We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.